You're listening to Payments Innovation, a podcast dedicated to helping business leaders navigate today's global digital economy. Looking to learn about the latest innovations within fintech and payments? You've come to the right place. Let's get into the show. Hello, everyone. This is Kara Hayward, the host of the Payments Innovation Podcast. Welcome. Today, I'm very excited to have Matt Wilcox. He's the president of digital payments and data aggregation at Fiserv. Welcome, Matt. Hi, thank you. I appreciate you having me. Looking forward to it. Absolutely. So we're going to be spending today talking a lot about the importance of real-time payments for banks, um, kind of specifically focusing first on the U.S., but um, definitely you know, spending some time later in the episode to talk a bit about what, what does this impact locally as well. So first, uh, Matt, if you could maybe spend some time just introducing yourself, talking a little bit about your background and your role at Pfizer. Yeah, that'd be great. Thank you for asking. Uh, I've been at Pfizer uh, about eight years now. Prior to that, I spent about 16 years at a financial institution in our payments in uh, digital areas. So it was exciting to to have that background and experience sitting within a bank to then moving to Pfizer, who services many different banks. So uh, given fresh perspective, I think, uh, on how we should engage with financial institutions. I lead our digital payments business here that includes our real-time strategy for all of Pfizer. When you think of digital payments, think of kind of non-card payments uh, that sits within my business at Pfizer, and then uh, also our data aggregation slash open banking uh, piece of Pfizer and our strategy around that, which is nice to have both the data side and the payment side, because as you think of real time, it's really around movement of money in real time, but also movement of information in real time and embedding that information into the experience. That's fantastic. Thank you. So maybe before we dig in here, I know a lot of our listeners often get confused about like, what exactly is a real-time payment, right? Like, <laughs> what what are we talking about here? You did mention, you know, within your purview, non-card payments, but maybe yep. we could go a level deeper. Um, what is your definition of real-time? Yeah, so we, uh, it's a great question you ask. We do get asked by that from, from financial institutions. Uh, we also did a survey recently with consumers uh, asking them kind of what is your expectation of real time or what is your definition of real time? And over 50% of them uh, said immediate, meaning they expected the transaction to happen immediately. About 25% of them said, you know, within a few seconds. So really when we think of real time, we think of just immediate movement of payment and information. So if I'm sending you money, Kara, Primarily, when I'm done with my sentence, you should be able to log in and be able to, to see those funds. So it's it's used to be within minutes, but uh, it's increased to really immediacy. And I think that that just is the instant gratification world that, that we kind of live in. Is there's just this expectation that it's just going to be there when, once the once the payment is submitted. That's that's amazing. That I didn't realize actually that um, the expectations have had risen to that percentage. Yeah. Makes yeah. sense though, right? Um, Another interesting stat in that in that piece that I thought was really interesting is that 44% of consumers actually believe that non-bank apps give you instant access to your money, um, yep. which I guess kind of makes sense just because you can hit the button and it's sent or you know hit the button and you receive. But when it comes to actually spending that money um, and getting it into your bank account, it's actually not instant. So yep. I would love to 
I would love to know a little bit about um, your thoughts around how do we drive awareness that that's actually not necessarily always an instant payment and um, how can we, we really educate consumers around what it is that instant payments actually are and where to access them, i.e. with their bank? Yeah, it's it's interesting question. And I've had a couple people tell me when we've, uh, as an example, when I was leaving the pet store the other day and people were accepting donations and they said, you know, you could su submit it via Square or you can submit it uh, via PayPal or you could use this thing called Zelle. Uh, and they, and I said, Oh, really? What's Zelle? You know, just to get a feel for how they would react and respond to that. And it's, Oh, it's this great thing. It's with your bank and the money's in your account immediately. Whereas the other ones might take a little bit of time. And so, uh, I think the education piece has gotten better. I think a lot of that, um, is on companies like Pfizer or other people that provide real-time payments to financial institutions to, not only help educate the financial institutions, but give the financial institutions material and content to educate the end consumer. So we've done a lot of training at uh, contact centers uh, for financial institutions. We've provided material and playbook and in-branch training. We've done tutorials and webinars and um, other things that people can place on their websites to try to give guidance around Payments one-on-one, really, because it's beyond just real-time. Real-time is an important education component, but it's really good for the end consumer to understand all of the various nuances around payments. One, uh, so they can utilize the ones that are best for them for their lives, but two, also to make sure that they're they're using the right ones for the right use cases, and they understand the, the risk and controls that financial institutions put in place on their behalf. So it's just a constant ongoing education process, but a, a lot of the onus falls on providers like us to give that guidance and to educate the, the industry. That's fantastic. Yeah, I think that makes a lot of sense. And it really shows the importance of partnerships, which we'll get into a little bit in yeah, a minute. But, for sure. Um, but before we get into that, I would love to maybe just get a quick status quo. Like, where where are we in the U.S. in terms of the adoption of real-time payments with banks? And would love to hear more about sort of the journey and, and where we are today. Yeah, I, I think that uh, P2P was a fantastic uh, lightning rod for the financial services industry and just the U.S. in general. I think we often heard that um, the year of P2P was coming or the year of real time was coming for um, the U.S. marketplace, but things have been being worked on for seven or eight years in terms of getting to a point where we had real-time optionality that we could provide financial institutions and the end consumers. I think uh, EWS and Zelle, and you talk about the partnerships that are out there, EWS did a fantastic job of establishing partnerships uh, with us and, and other other core providers in the marketplace to bring Zelle to market. You know, there's over I think there there's 1,700 or over 1,700 banks that have signed up for Zelle. We have over a thousand institutions live for real-time payments, so over 800 with Zelle, but another couple hundred with our transfers uh, capability. That number was zero a couple of years ago, yeah. and so it's been an unbelievable growth that we've seen in terms of banks connected for real time, but then banks using those services and therefore the end consumers utilizing those services. And that's lifted the tide for 
other entrants into the U.S., although not not bank backed like uh, Zelle, but it has lifted the immediacy of payments in in the marketplace. You know, we've seen and speaking to partners again, the, we're doing a lot of work with the clearinghouse, and the clearinghouse has spent years building out this uh, RTP real time payment rail that is just another gives another endpoint option for financial institutions to send and receive uh, real-time payments. And so the, the U.S. market has, has grown immensely in the last three to four years. And I think the last next three to four years, you're going to see similar paths of growth with uh, RTP taking flight, the continued progress of Zelle, both from uh, P2P standpoint, moving into small business, and then, and then Fed moving out with another rail with Fed now, and so um, clearly, consumers have spoken. Uh, banks, people like Fiserv, and industry bodies have responded, and it's been really cool to see. Wow, that's exciting, and it's really amazing how fast, like with all the moving pieces, all the different groups that need to be involved, how quickly it really has been. Adopted. That's right. Yeah, that's right. Well, and you were, you were going from payments that really worked, right, Kara? I mean, it, I, I could send you money somehow yeah. and somehow you would get it. But when it got to, I could order paper towels on Amazon and have them within 24 hours. And Kara was still waiting for my payments that I sent two or three days ago something had to change because the consumer's mentality had changed around it. And to your point, people have responded and I'm excited to see what we've done the last couple of years, but I'm even more excited to see what we do the next couple of years. That's great. And that's a great segue, I think, because I'd love to hear. So now that the, a lot of the banks have stepped up and, and put the investment into um, specifically, it sounds like P2P was really the first space. Yeah. Um, what, what do you think is the what's next, right? And what would your, um, expectation be for banks as they think about, let's not just stop here. Uh, let's speak yep. with the innovation. Yep. I think the next thing, and one of the things to, to, um, speak to, and P2P was really the thing that kind of, uh, created that lightning rod that I mentioned. Um, but it, it, it did another thing as well. And, and the way that we architected Zelle, and when you connected to us for Zelle, you connected to our real-time payment network, which is our now network. But what we did with that is we made it so that those real-time connections could be repurposed for future applications and future connections to other networks. Because we recognize that we alone will not solve the real-time payments conundrum for the US that, that we have to partner on behalf of financial institutions with all of the networks, because there will might be a use case that a financial institution wants to use that requires the utilization of, a, of another network. I think as we move from P to P, the natural extension to that is account to account transfers. So I'm, I'm able to send you care of money in real time via Zelle, you should be able to then send that money to one of your other accounts, whether that be within uh, one institution or two institutions in real time. And uh, the, we're repurposing the connections for those financial institutions that have connected to us for Zelle to use that connection for transfers. I think after transfers, you'll start to see movement of real time. And we're starting to see a little bit of this with, with RTP. That'll move to bill pay. Bill pay is unique animal because now you've moved out of 
person-based payments, whether that's transfers or P2P, you're moving into where a biller or a merchant is involved, and they have to be equipped to receive those funds in real time. And then we're going to start to see non-card payments, in my opinion, at point of sale done in real time. And uh, that'll be exciting because you're starting to see all of the connections and underlying infrastructure and investment that banks have made to be able to use that down this roadmap of real time. And so it's important for financial institutions as they make their decisions to invest in real time, that they work with someone that is going to be able to repurpose the connection that is built for the longevity of what is real time and the payment application. So uh, uh, their strategy should be at some point in time, all of their applications should be enabled for real time, all the payment applications at a financial institution, and they can pick and choose what's most important based on their consumers or clientele. They should be thinking about the long game versus just the short game. That's, that's a really important point, I think, because um, I think choice is a big piece for of what sure. consumers expect, right? And yeah, most a lot definitely. Of, yeah, and a lot of what consumers' expectations are driving lead into their own businesses, right? And that's what you right. start yep. to expect for B2B. So yep. um, yeah, putting that, that effort and that, um, you know, that, that building phase up front really pays off in the end. And that's yep. a good point that pick a partner that's going to be there through the journey. Um, that's right. So um Maybe we can talk a little bit about some of the challenges, right? So we've talked about sure. you know, some of the successes, but yep. um, obviously, you know, <laughs> uh, there's around the world, if we look at some of the other countries that have adopted sort of through regulation, a real-time payments network, yep. um, it made it a little bit easier <laughs> for people to adopt sort of one thing. But yep, um, that's right. <laughs> what, what do you think are some of the challenges um, that the, the industry fa- is facing right now around the adoption? And um, what can be done about it? <laughs> yeah, I, I think you nailed it that there's lots of options and there's there's beauty in lots of options, but there's there's also complexity in 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 lots of options. And uh, in those other countries where there's one thing, there's a mandate and everybody uses it. Um, that's great because everybody uses it, but it's is it a one size fits all? situation. We don't have similar constraints, but because we don't have the constraints, everybody, I should say everybody, but there are lots of different options. And that's one of the reasons why we knew that our real-time payment network that we developed and built wasn't necessarily going to be the say-all, end-all, be-all for real-time payment networks for the U.S. And so we will connect to RTP and utilize that rail for our for our financial institutions we will connect and participate in the pilot with the fed now and and utilize that for our financial institutions what will be the predominant use case for rtp for with tch i don't know but we're going to figure that out it, it could it could be bill pay it could be transfers uh, it could be something else fed now uh could be a wonderful opportunity for community banks who haven't jumped into the P2P game. And that could be something that we could utilize with with some of our Zelle instances. FedNow, they've talked about um, figuring out something at point of sale. That could be a brilliant way to bring non-card real-time payments to, to the marketplace. But that's the beauty in having the options. But you need to make sure that, again, to the previous comment, you're thinking about the long game because 
there's another Fed now, there's another RTP somewhere out there. And, and as we start to think about connecting networks that are U.S. domestic networks to international or global networks, you have to be thinking about that as well, um, because it, it's not long from now where consumers are going to be knocking on the doors of financial institutions, say, hey, I, I love my transfers and I love that they're in real time and I love that I can move it from one institution to the next in real time. But, but hey, I really would love to move it to an institution from Wisconsin to London. And who's going to help me do that? And oh, by the way, even though it's going across the pond, it still needs to be done in real time. And, and so the onus is on folks like Fiserv and, and others um, in collaboration with financial institutions to, to figure that out. And so, again, that's I think there's there's beauty in the options, but there's a lot of planning and thinking. And my big concern around that is not freezing the progress in the market. And I, I don't want financial institutions to think they need need or should sit and wait for a winner to be declared because I think there's going to be a lot of winners. That's awesome. Yeah. I, I couldn't agree more. Um, and I, I love that you brought up the cross-border use case. I mean, yeah. it's, it's, it's so true, right. Being able to, um, to, to be, you know, borderless in your thoughts yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, and support sure. all those different use yeah. cases. So, um, and, and again, to your point, having a infrastructure that you can, you know, I guess, plug and play or, or yeah, that's right. Really that's right. Um, so, I guess um, we haven't touched too, too much on partnerships in depth. So I would love to go into that a little bit more because I think, I don't know that always um, folks realize that when you're contracting with uh, someone like a Pfizer, right. And you're working with someone like a Pfizer, (laughs) the network and the partners that are built beneath that actual product, right. And all the things that go into it. And, um, and I think sometimes that actually really helps build the, the, the ROI, right. The analysis of who do I work with? Like, what is the investment I should have? Because um, it's not always clear. Um, <laughs> I think all the work that goes into yeah. building these types of things. Um, yep. So can we talk a little bit about the partners in the space? Um, you know, as you have built out this um, real-time payments platform and what are some of the partnerships that are actually probably worthwhile, obviously outside of someone like Fiserv, yeah. for the banks to get involved with? Yeah, I mean, so uh, to answer the first part of your question, Kara, the the partnerships that we have are huge enablers for us to deliver real-time payments. Uh, EWS has been a tremendous partner for us in in Zelle, and uh, they've been a great advocate for real-time payments. They've really helped propel the industry, and so we're grateful for, for that partnership. The partnership that we'll have with uh, and do have with the Federal Reserve and the Clearinghouse, because we think that that's going to be uh, the next evolution of real-time payments in our work and collaboration with them. I think it's often forgotten that some of the early entrants in real-time, because truly card-based payments are real-time in nature, and so Visa and MasterCard were immensely helpful in getting early phases of real-time payments just off the ground. It was still using a card rail in the background, but from a consumer's perspective, there's this new cool way to make payments in real time. Uh, behind the scenes, it was really more of a traditional way that they had been accustomed to making payments. And so, so those partnerships have been of value as well. Some of the other areas where we've started to establish 
different partnerships uh, have to do in the fraud and risk arena. And there have been some great, with all the great use cases that happen in real-time payments, there's always the bad guys thinking about ways that they're going to take advantage of these new payment types and applications. And so the ways to avoid that are through education, which we talked about earlier on educating consumers and financial institutions about real-time, but also what should they be doing with these new payment applications? And then the also just enhancing the network with additional fraud and risk capabilities. And we've invested heavily in fraud and risk capabilities, but we also have lots of different partners that we work with in fraud and risk capabilities. So I'd encourage financial institutions to either press the likes of Fiserv or their other providers that they're utilizing on those capabilities, who are they working with or establish partnerships on their own around fraud and risk capabilities. I think we're also now starting to see alternative payments and payment types enter the marketplace. So there's cryptocurrency and things like that. And so that in inherently is going to be a real-time payment as well. And some would argue in even easier path than some of what we've been building out over the last several years as an industry. And so financial institutions should be thinking about, again, in their long game. And I had a, I was on a call with a financial institution the other day and they said, two calls actually, and they said, our board of directors just doesn't want to hear anything about cryptocurrency, doesn't want to talk about it. Uh, they want to avoid it at all costs. And then I had a call in the afternoon and all they wanted to talk about was cryptocurrency. <laughs> and so it's very 50-50 in terms of the industry, but my counsel to both of them was, you should be thinking about it. You should be talking about it. You should have it in your plan around as you're formulating, formulating a real-time strategy. And who knows, cryptocurrency might be our way to move money in real-time on a more global scale as some of those networks and partnerships have already been built out and can we take advantage of those? And so there's lots of things that financial institutions should be thinking about and, and pressing on with partnerships. And as you said, some should come through Fiserv and other core providers and some they should maybe be thinking about on their own. That's great. Um, and I think, um, you know, maybe a, a touch point around partnerships is, is advocacy as well. Like what, yeah. like, because obviously um, there has been talk around like, what is open banking going to yep. look like in the U S um, do you encourage banks to get involved in the advocacy or um, like, what would your, your advice be in terms of that? 100%. And, and to your point, that's where open banking and payments kind of collide in terms of utilization of data banks should absolutely be involved. And so we're involved with several industry bodies in terms of how should consumer data be utilized as it relates to payments, inflows, in session, who should have access to that data? How can, how can we enable consumers at a bank level to manage who has access to their data? And so banks should most definitely have a voice in that. Uh, I would encourage them, whether they do that through Fiserv and they share their voice with somebody like Fiserv or an FIS or a Jack Henry, whomever they may be utilizing, and they advocate on behalf of that financial institution or the financial institution does it on their own. And we've seen it both ways. And there are a number of 
industry bodies or forums as it relates to open banking and data where they can get involved. The, the Fed sponsors a faster payments council. So there's lots of opportunities. Uh, banks should most definitely be involved or have an ear to the ground through one of their providers to get that information. Awesome. Great. Well, Matt, um, these have been amazing insights. Anything that you'd love to, to leave uh, behind as a final thought for our listeners? Yeah. yeah well, thank you again for, yeah. for the opportunity. I, I, what I would leave them with is this is, this is not a short-term strategy. And I know most institutions we talk to kind of have their annual plan and then they build out more of a three-year strategic view this is a three-year strategic view and beyond, and they need to think about establishing what use cases are important to them uh, in terms of real time, because there's lots of different use cases, whether it's P2P, disbursements, commercial-based payments, small business payments, which we didn't talk a lot about today, but this isn't just a consumer payments-oriented uh, strategy. This is both small business and commercial-based payments making sure that the connection that they build out can be repurposed uh, for future use and that they have a plan to enable all of their payment applications. That's that's the Pfizer strategy. Uh, we believe that that strategy should hold true for, for any core provider and any financial institution because this is certainly not going away. It's only going to grow. And uh, I'm excited about the, the growth. We've we waited for years, right? And, and pushed on it for years and built things for years. And now to see it happening and, and the numbers in the thousands in terms of institutions utilizing some form of real-time payments is exciting. And, and the growth that we're going to see the next couple of years is going to be even better. That's awesome. That's exciting. And I think uh, it sounds like basically, you know, take the long view, don't get overwhelmed, take bite-sized bits, right. but keep chipping away at the block. A hundred percent. Yeah. You got, you have to start somewhere, start with that connection and, and you should know through voice of customer, what's the, what use case you need right away for your consumer base. That's great. Well, Matt, thank you so much for your insights today. This has been fantastic. Really, uh, really excited about the adoption of real-time payments here in the U S so, and thank you to all of our listeners today. Yeah, likewise. Thank you so much. I really appreciate the time. You've been listening to the Payments Innovation Podcast. To ensure that you never miss an episode, subscribe now in iTunes or your favorite podcast player. Thanks for listening. Until next time.